Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Table Talk, discussions of church, theology, and culture. My name is Luke. I'm the Family and Ministry Coordinator here at CBC Ilderton, and I'm joined once again by Andrew Hall, lead pastor of CBC Ilderton. And we're back for the first time since our first big series of episodes on the book of Proverbs. We're grateful for all of you who listened to those. We're grateful for the feedback that we received from many people. And if if you're listening to Table Talk and you have feedback for us, we would love to hear it. So don't hesitate to reach out to either Andrew or myself. We want to make this podcast as best like we want it to be the best that it can be. So feedback is always welcome and always appreciated. So Andrew, for the next couple of weeks, we've, we've sort of stumbled into a, a series of episodes, some ideas for that, sort of unintentionally. And maybe a couple sermons ago now in our Proverbs series, you had uh, brought up an idea that I ended up then writing about sort of separately in a in an e-bulletin uh, later uh, about a week later, and it's, we realized this would be a good thing for us to talk about. Specifically, uh, many of you will have read the title by now. We're talking about the law and the gospel. Uh, these are uh, two concepts that are, of course, foundational to our lives as Christians, foundational to the church, but surprisingly, uh, sometimes misunderstood and misapplied. There's There's a lot that goes into these two ideas. And you being uh, famously a fan of Martin Luther have uh, written yourself about this uh, quite extensively. And so as we, as we get started, why don't you just sort of give some background on this from your end and then we can, we can jump in. Yeah. It's, I think it's a very important uh, discussion that when we think about how to frame up the Christian life, how do we think about doctrine um, the, the Bible, Luther would talk about how the Bible speaks to sermons, mm-hmm. that there is a sermon called the law and there is a sermon called the gospel. And for Luther, uh, there's some debate over what is the center of his theology, but in essence, law and gospel really became two functions that were important to understand scripture, to understand pastoral care, to understand life. And table talk in in a sense, because Luther was famous for his table talks and Ooh. his uh, discussions around the table were called table talk by his students. Um, I think it's appropriate for us to to talk about these these two concepts because they really do frame up a lot of ministry. And if we understand them poorly, it has a profound impact in the Christian life and on the gospel itself. But when we understand them well, it brings clarity and hope and joy. It releases us from condemnation and sets us on a glorious path that uh, frees us in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I can sort of speak personally about that over the last year or so. I've been doing a lot of thinking about these things and have very much found exactly what you said to be true. It, it's amazing the the peace and the rest and the joy that they can be found when these things are understood rightly. And it's also amazing the the anxiety and the, the struggle that can result from not understanding them rightly or from being in a ministry setting that doesn't understand them properly. And so for, for all of you listening, we're going to go right down to the foundational level. We're going to just get into the, the most basic definitions, the law and gospel. What are these things? I'll start 
uh, with the law. And then maybe Andrew, I'll pass it off to you to talk specifically about the the gospel. The the law is maybe in, at its most foundational. It's it's commands. It's it's commands that God gives to human beings. And those commands say, "Do this and live." A, a perfect example of of the law, of course, in the book of Exodus, the the Ten Commandments, the Mosaic Law. This was this was all God's law to His people. There were blessings promised for obeying the law and curses promised for disobeying the law. These were things that we are obligated to do at its most basic level. That is the law, and it's something that you can see anywhere in Scripture, essentially, where you see commands. In, in some way or another, you can think about that as law. That's right. And then when we consider the other half, uh, it's the gospel. And the gospel is the teaching that God has given us good news that we can be rescued from condemnation, from death. The very thing that the law produces, which is death in mm-hmm. us, that God can rescue us from that sin and death uh, and save us in Jesus Christ. And so I think a couple of examples of that, uh, we, we can automatically think of John three sixteen, mm-hmm. where God loves the world in this way. He sends his one and only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have life. Or uh, where John will say that this is how the love of God was made manifest to us, that he sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. I think that's First uh, John 4, 9. And so, so very clearly then, what frees us from the condemnation of our failure is the good news of the gospel. And going back just real briefly as we, as we think about these things, specifically as we think about the, the law, there's an, an, there are some important aspects of the law. If we want to understand it rightly, we have to understand that these various nuances of it. Specifically, we, we read in the New Testament, the idea that the, the standard of the law is extremely high. And that's really important. The, the question, you know, when is good, good enough? How much obedience to the law is required? It, there's been in many places throughout the history of the church, this temptation, I think, to, to relativize the law, to bring it down to a level mm-hmm. where, where it can be obeyed. Whereas the, I, I think we need to understand that the, the purpose of the law isn't necessarily that it will be obeyed. Although certainly it was, it's given in this way that says, if you obey it, you will live. Uh, the law though maybe in theory brings blessings for obedience, quickly shows us that we don't have the ability to obey it whatsoever. And a perfect obedience and a perfect righteousness is the requirement of the law. And so when we think about distinguishing between the law and the gospel, I think that's important to, to understand uh, not only what the law is, but what the standard of the law is. To to what degree is obedience required? And I think Scripture is clear in its answer that perfect obedience is uh, fundamentally what the law of God requires. Yeah, we hear that in Jesus' uh, teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. Uh, after he gives very clear instructions that you have heard that it was said, but I say to you, 
as he concludes Matthew 5 and he sums up, basically, he's reframing the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. that, that the law is not merely broken by external action, but by uh, heart, the heart attitudes. He, he says in Matthew 5, 48, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Yeah. And there we get the example of what the law required, that it required and expected perfect obedience. And we even get that from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. that the demand of God was that Adam and Eve would experience life if they did not take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they did not eat of it. But on the day that they would eat of it, they would surely die. And that's the consequence. That's the first sermon of law that we hear that the Bible actually frames up the very concepts of law from in the garden. And so law doesn't come after the fall. It comes before the fall, which I think is an important concept because Mm -hmm. that means that that the law is good. Paul will say this in 1 Timothy yes. 1. Mm-hmm. The law is good if you use it lawfully. Uh, so part of what becomes confusing is that people get a very pessimistic or negative view of law, yeah. but the law is good uh, if you use it properly. And so then here in this first introductory episode in uh, what will be, what we think, a three-part series. So we'll, of course, see how that ends up going. We're... we're We've just simply defined law and gospel, that law, the commands, do this and live. And the gospel is a a declaration of what has already been done in Christ. Uh, A way I've always liked to describe it, I've written about and even mentioned in a sermon, I think it's very helpful just to think the the law says do, the gospel says done. That's a really great way anytime you're reading anywhere in the Bible to help distinguish those things. And uh, up top, we talked a little bit about or at least teased this idea that understanding these concepts of law and gospel, though they seem so basic, it's very important to understand them rightly and they help us to understand scripture. Wherever we are in the Bible, these concepts can help us understand what we're reading. And so I'll just pass off to you a question. How can these concepts, how can understanding law and gospel rightly help us read the Bible? Yeah, when we have the concepts of law and gospel, uh, first, uh, I think we are drawn to what we can do. And so naturally we hear the commands and a lot of people automatically assume Christianity is a rule about religions or about, uh, it's a a rule, (laughs) Christianity is a religion about rules. And the reality is that, that the rules are not there to create the relationship it's that the relationship gives the boundaries by which they exist. And my experience has certainly been uh, at a popular level, that's exactly what everybody thinks about Christianity. Christianity is just a, a big list of do's and don'ts. That's and right. Don't do any of the, the fun things and do all the things that are, that are boring and not fun. That, that really is, I think, what a, a general person out in our society today thinks of Christianity. And when we come to the Bible with that kind of approach, then we're going to think that our relationship with God is about what we do or don't do. Mm-hmm. Whereas Luther would say in uh, when he did his Heidelberg Disputation, he, he would say in his uh, 26th Deputation, he would say, the law says do this and it is never done. Yeah. Grace says believe in this and all things are already done. And these become the two sermons of the Bible. They, they become the framework even from the Garden of Eden. God gives commands. The commands are for life, 
but when they are broken, they lead to death. But there is a redeeming work that God brings and he comes and he slays animals and he covers Adam and Eve with, with animal skins so that they can carry on, that they, they don't immediately die. Mm-hmm. And that there is this good news that even though the law has been broken, that God can overcome it by something that is done for Adam and Eve. And then this pattern carries out throughout the rest of scripture, animal sacrifices in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. a confession of sin and sacrifices. And by the time we get to the New Testament, it is confession of sin and faith in the one who, who covers your sin, the atoning sacrifice, who is Jesus Christ. So then what, what we have is the law comes and it tells us how we are to relate to God. It exposes us in mm-hmm. our need. And then the gospel comes as the remedy. So we hear these two sermons all over. And if we don't put the, the right emphasis in the right place, we will end up either with a religion that says, do this, and it will lead to a performance-based type of Christian life, or it will lead to exhaustion, or it will lead to burnout. Or self-righteousness, even. Or arrogance, that's right, and pridefulness. And we'll talk about that in our next episode in terms of the two different types of theologians that exist. But for now, I think it's sufficient to say when we get the law uh, the emphasis of the law wrong, we will think that it's that Christianity is all about what we do. Absolutely. And I think a practical example could be helpful here. If we were, if we're, we're saying understanding the long gospel helps us read the Bible, let's maybe dive into a passage of scripture and talk about that more specifically. One, one passage that I have found that understanding these things profoundly helps with is the passage of the rich young ruler from Matthew 19. Jesus is there and a a rich young man comes to him and says, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? This is Matthew 19, starting in verse 16. And that's the key question. What good deed must must I I do? do? Very clearly, this is a law-based scenario that this rich young man is thinking. And that would have been common in Jesus's time, all of the Pharisees and the the Jews Jesus was talking to had this law-based understanding. And Jesus, of course, answers him. And if we we don't understand Jesus's answer correctly, this passage can be used in all sorts of ways to, to say what I don't believe the Holy Spirit was intending to say here. And so this man asks Jesus, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? How, what part of the law do I need to obey? And so Jesus says to him, keep the commandments, keep the law. The man asks, which ones? Jesus says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal or bear false witness, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, if you want to inherit eternal life, you must keep the law. Now we have this tendency, I think, in the church when we aren't thinking too much to just think, If Jesus says it, it must be gospel. Surely everything that comes out of Jesus's mouth is always gospel. And so people would take this passage and they would would preach that you have to obey Jesus. You have to obey the commands and that is how you get eternal life. But I don't think that's what Jesus is doing here. And I think if we understand, are we looking at law or looking at gospel here? We We can see what's going on is that Jesus calls this man then to sell everything that he, everything that he possesses, and follow him. 
Yeah, he wants, it's interesting in that context, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Mm-hmm. And, and the critical aspect of that is he wants to do something for his salvation. How can I earn it? That's right. And, and this becomes, I think, very paradigmatic for, for how people think even today in mm-hmm. the broader culture. It's that my good deeds have to outweigh my bad deeds. Yeah. That's law and gospel. They're, they're trying to think in terms of how I earn my salvation, how I earn acceptance by doing enough good. And the rich young ruler is a great example of someone who tries to earn his salvation by doing. Yeah, he, he comes to Jesus and he says, I've done all that, I have obeyed the law. And so Jesus essentially, by telling him to sell everything that he possesses, give to the poor and follow him, is, is almost telling the rich young man to prove it. If, if you're obeying the law perfectly, then this is, this is how you can prove it to me. And of course the rich young man goes away. And I think if we don't understand law and gospel properly, what we can get out of this passage is following Jesus is the gospel. We have to sell everything that we have. We have to sell everything, give to the poor and follow Jesus. And those are, that is the way into a right relationship with God. And all of us, I'm sure at some point have heard sermons preached like this, or we've been told that this is what the gospel is. But Jesus, I think with the rich young ruler is not, is not, Speaking gospel, he was asked a question about the law and gave a law answer in return. And so what we don't see is the, is the gospel here in this particular passage, but then in other places. And even later on in this passage, of, of course, the disciples are they're pretty distressed by all of this. They say, wow, this, this rich young man, surely he was rich because God was blessing him because he was obeying the law. If he can't get into the kingdom, how on earth are any of us going to get into the kingdom? And of course, Jesus's answer is with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And that I think is where we get a a hint of this gospel message, which of course Jesus was fulfilling all throughout his earthly ministry. And that's where, when Luther would uh, do his shorter catechism, he he wanted to make clear what's the distinction between law and gospel. And so he would say that the law teaches what we are to do and not to do, but the gospel teaches what God has done and still does for our salvation. So the law, he would say, go it goes to show us our sin. This is precisely what's happening with the rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. Prove it. Prove that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that you don't love money. Uh, it, the law shows us the wrath of God, that there's a penalty for sin, mm-hmm. but the gospel shows us who our savior is and the grace of God, that it's a work that's done for us. And then finally, Luther would say that the gospel, uh, sorry, the law, it has to be preached to all people because what we need is a knowledge of sin. Mm -hmm. We need to know that we are not sufficient to save ourselves. And then the gospel must be preached to sinners who are troubled in their minds because of their sins. And so then this provides the remedy that what you cannot do, God has done. And this becomes the message. We hear this clearly in Paul that mm-hmm. what, what the law failed to do, God did, Romans 8, God did in sending his own son. And Jesus saves us by works. Yes, that's exactly right. By obeying the law perfectly. He, he fulfills all righteousness. We are not saved by our good works, but we are saved by his good works. So for all who have 
turned away from their sins, repented, trusted in Jesus. For all of those who have been saved by this message of the gospel, then the law no longer condemns. The law certainly is is useful to us still. It, it is still good. And that's something we'll talk about in a later episode, I think. But for, for all who are in Christ, there there's therefore now no condemnation, as that's right. Paul would say. In, Romans 8, 1. In Romans 8, that's very important for us to rest in the gospel, to understand exactly what the gospel is, that it is a message, it is a declaration of what Jesus has done, of his perfect obedience given to us and our sins forgiven. And from that place, then we do seek to obey God. We do listen to his commands and we do seek to follow Christ, but we, we do so no longer fearing the penalty of the law, fearing judgment or trying to earn anything for ourselves because it has all been earned for us. And so as we, as we understand these things, it, it does help us, I think, to rest in what has been accomplished for us and then to properly pursue with the right motivations, with the right heart intentions to, to obey God. Not, not out of a sense of wanting to earn anything or out of a sense of wanting to avoid judgment, but out of gratitude for what Christ has done for us. That should be the, the motivation for all of our obedience, all of our good deeds in, in the Christian life. And so then we can sum up essentially what, what this idea of law and gospel does. And it functionally exposes our sin. It shows that sin needs to be killed. It's deeply rooted in us. It shows us, second of all, that we cannot be saved by mere willpower. It's sin. Sin is is so deep within us. Mm-hmm. It's uh, some have, have have compared it to an addiction. Yeah. And you could tell an addict stop taking drugs, but that doesn't save them because they need more than willpower. They've got to come to the end of themselves. And then the gospel shows us the remedy that someone has come to rescue us from sin and death, which is why Paul can say at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, that the power of, of um, as he speaks of, of the law and of sin and of death, he, he can really clearly articulate how, how we need this saving work. And uh, I'll pull it up here. When Paul ends 1 Corinthians 15, he says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And there we have law and gospel, two sermons preached side by side to point us to the one who can rescue us. Amen. Brothers and sisters, all listening, may we all rest in the gospel and what Jesus has accomplished for us. We will be back with you next week. We'll be considering a different but related idea, mostly from Martin Luther, related to the law and the gospel. We will be thinking about the theology of glory versus the theology of the cross. And so look forward to that next week. We look forward to having you join us. 